some of our biggest success stories have been when our clients have a great vision and then we can go in and listen carefully and, and help and enhance that vision and then go make it a reality. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 213 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome John Dangoya to the show. John is the Vice President and Head of Product Management in the U.S. and Europe at Infosys Finical, and today we are going to be talking through some of the biggest insights shared in the Infosys Finical 2022 Trends Report. Welcome to the show, John. It is so good to share time with you today, buddy. Well, it's great to, to have me here today, James Robert. I appreciate the invite and look forward to our conversation today. Before we get into talking top trends that you're seeing through the research that you're doing over at Infosys, what what is good for you right now, personally or professionally? I always like to get started on a positive note here on the podcast. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. What's good for me uh, personally is just came back from a wedding in Chicago last weekend, and it was just wonderful to get back and see family. You know, we've all had such a, a crazy couple of years with the pandemic, and some of the folks I hadn't even seen for three years. So it was great to celebrate life. Great to, you know, have a, a wonderful time with some family professionally working on some really cool stuff over here at Emphasis Pinnacle. So uh, looking forward to talk about that a little bit today in addition to the trends report. Absolutely. And speaking about that report, you know, I think one of the, 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 the things that really stuck out to me, 72% of financial institutions are increasing investments in omni-channel platforms. And why, why is this? Like, what is really driving this ship forward here from an investment perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a really interesting trend we're seeing right now. The proliferation, I'd say, of banking as a service is really starting to take shape. Uh, not just in banking, also in insurance and wealth management you know, banks are just wanting to find ways to, to serve customers in different ways, ways to, you know, come up with ideas, whether it's embedded finance or other type platforms to kind of launch into two in new industries. And it's very exciting. I mean, you know, you're seeing a, a lot of the big players doing, I think now some of the mid-tier, you know, institutions are also starting to take notice. And it's just a really, really exciting time. Um, one other data point I'd say is we had projected the growth of the bank as a service market from 2.8 billion, mm. which is still very big today, right, to over 12 billion in the next 10 years. So that's that's pretty incredible. And as you as you know, where the money goes, the investments go. Exactly. And and one of the case studies that you referenced in the report is Marcus, which I think is you know we've been watching Marcus now for years. 
And I think it's a very interesting story because Mark is being spun out of Goldman Sachs and an an incumbent doing some very progressive work. What are they doing, Marcus, by Goldman Sachs from the perspective of, of, of banking as a service? Well, I think that what Marcus is doing is they're sort of rethinking the entire customer experience. You know, they've been well publicized, but they had a vision to kind of spin this new bank out of their investment bank and just turn the industry a bit on their side. And they've done that with retail customers as well as commercial. Uh, As you know, they also partner with Apple and some other, you know, huge companies. And they're just a, a terrific partner of ours. We really enjoyed working with them. The Emphasis Pinnacle platform is is one of their key partnerships. And, you know, on a day-to-day working basis, they're just terrific to work with. They're super innovative. They've got great ideas. And, and we really, really enjoy working with them and, and helping all their visions come to life. When you look at this idea of banking as a service and the fact that it has massive growth opportunity across the industry, what are you seeing in regards to trends um, with with banking as a service? Because it's... There's so much. It could be embedded banking. It could be uh, a fintech incumbent play. There's there's just so much. I think that's where it's almost there. It's the paradox of choice, right? There's there's so much choice. There's so much opportunity. How do we simplify this down? How do we distill this down to maybe simplify the complexity so that it's like, okay, here's a really great opportunity for the dear listener to consider to take back and, and have some conversations within their own organization? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great question. And coming out of this pandemic, we, we talk a lot and think a lot about that. You know, we can all debate whether the pandemic accelerated digital transformation five years or 10 years. You've, you've heard people say that, right? Right. And, and we talk about that. But the fact is, you know, the world was in lockdown. The branches were closed, yep. you know, um, the banks and other financial institutions had to step back and, and change processes. Some cases they threw a lot of bodies at it. In some cases they built new portals just to be able to take customer information. So as we come out of this, I think the biggest thing we need to be thinking about is how banks can differentiate. Mm. Right. Um, and all banks for that matter. I think sometimes we think of just the, large tier one banks, but, you know, also a community bank in rural Nebraska or in, you know, in Rhode Island, um, they still need to figure out a way to differentiate in their market. Now that's not new, but what is new is the rate of change is accelerated. The competitive threats have accelerated. And I think we all have seen that banks are really becoming more and more technology companies yep. in the value they bring. Right. And that's changed a lot. Um, so it goes back to starting with a true business strategy. You, you reference Marcus. They had a true business strategy. A lot of our other partners have taken time to do that. So we, we urge our clients and the people who work to, to think through their strategy. And it's got to be more than just improving customer service or just improving technology. We all know that, right? It's about how they can win more business. At the end of the day, how they can differentiate the market, who are their target customers, target segments. So some of our biggest success stories have been when our clients have a great vision and then we can go in and listen carefully and and help and enhance that vision and then go make it a reality. This is not just about some technology strategy. This is business 
strategy. This is really getting back into, I think, the deeper question as to why we exist as an organization. Who are we here to serve and create value for? Am, am I correct in, in, in rolling this back just a little bit to reinforce these, these points here, John? 100%. Um, you know, thinking through how they can compete in their markets and thinking through that strategy is absolutely critical because what we can do and what other providers can do is then to help them get there and find the fastest path to ROI, fastest path to achieve their financial goals and uh, just work with them to get there. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of that happen, whether it's buy now, pay later, Mm. new creative deposit products are rolling out pretty quickly right now or other creative lending products. And then the, the big, embedded finance thing that we talked about about earlier you know when when you've got a vision and you're committed to it and you're willing to invest in it i think you've got a winning combination that can get there and you can also find ways to deliver value much quicker than just saying we're going to transform everything in in our platform right i'm curious to to get your take on this because you mentioned digital transformation and when we go out and we look at all of the 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 big global concert consulting firms bcg and bain and mckinsey doesn't matter who they're all saying the same thing 60 to 85 percent of of digital transformation projects either fail or fail to meet expectations what's your take on this because i think it's important that we, we we have some dialogue around this. Otherwise, the the future becomes the predictable past because nothing really changes. It's just more of the same. And it's my hope that we can escape this cycle of digital transformation failure to truly achieve digital growth. And and, and back to your point, I, I do believe it comes back to, to not just tech strategy, but business strategy, which is a deeper conversation. But what's your take on this? Why, why the challenge? Why the struggle? What is it that holds financial brands back from, from really maximizing their digital growth potential through digital transformation? Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about that, too. It's a great, great question, James Robert. I, I think that a lot of it comes back to you've got to find a way to improve that value proposition to the customer or the corporate, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you've got to keep them at the focus of building all of your products. You know, because we're in this business, we get all jazzed up about how systems work to move money or originate a checking or loan account. But really, does the customer care? I mean, no, they don't. What they care about is they want a frictionless and easy and fast possible product that is super easy to use and that does what they need to do. You know, we we, we live with our payments in Amazon today. It's not even a step in the process, right? right. It's right there. And so... I think what happens sometimes is, is when we get into the big digital transformation conversations, we lose sight of the customer. And, and the end customer, their process has to be improved. It has to be easier for them. Again, not to belabor the point on embedded finance, but that's one of the reasons why you know, a lot of analysts are saying that's going to be a $7 trillion market. Because what you're doing is you're improving the process for the customer when you do that the customer will come and they'll buy more of your products. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. 
Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. So from my perspective, it's just critical to be thinking about the business strategy first and then thinking about how the customer wants to buy products from your organization. And when you improve that and, and you, you work to make that experience a whole lot better and you get a lot of feedback from customers in that process, right? It's not a, we're going to go build it and throw it out in the marketplace. I'm, I'm a big one for live labs and having customer feedback along building in the process. I always like to have a few beta clients with some of the new things we're working on to get feedback and just simply ask them, right? Is that what you're looking for? And if they say yes, I think that puts you on a much better path for success in digital transformation. Let's talk about that. The idea of the of the live lab, uh, you know, when we do digital secret shopping studies, and we take a financial brand's public-facing website, um, and we benchmark it against uh, another financial brand or a fintech, and we're typically doing it around a specific product line, there's a lot of, of insight, there's a lot of clarity to be gained by doing this. But what we find is around 85% or so of financial brands have, have never done any type of digital secret shopping study like this before. They have, have historically, they've done studies in the branch and the branch experience. And, but a lot of times it's the idea of the live lab, the testing, the co-creation is something that we're seeing lagging. What are the opportunities to bring this co-creation and I would say even a step further optimization to the forefront to where it really drives product development uh, product optimization and it's not this kind of secondary rudimentary thing that we we might do when we have time but it becomes the core focus for continued growth going forward yeah that that's a really interesting question I think on the b2c side for that it, it's much more common right it's pretty easy to put some folks in a room in a live lab and, and test out an app and basically just observe them, right? And that, that's what we yep. like to do and just observe their clicks and ask them questions about why they went here and, and that sort of thing. But it's much harder on the B2B side. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we're, we're doing these days is we're putting together early prototypes of some of our products and then sharing them with our customer bases or even our prospects for that matter and getting feedback from them and actually building that into the product. So it's all about that that great feedback loop that kind of brings information back into the product. And the great thing about that is, again, typically you, you win over more customers, but you also have a great, great product to put out in the marketplace that serves the needs of the, the clients right out of the gate. Now, once you've launched your products, your job is not done, right? There will be other things that come in and Typically, we have very aggressive roadmaps on new products to to bring those enhancements to light in the coming months after that. You know, one of the things that you mentioned around this idea of engagement, you noted this in the report, uh, to engage better, banks need to consider a holistic model. And you have identified a what you call a unique, quote unquote, golden engagement circle to enable banks to drive purposeful 
growth. And I like that word of purposeful growth. In fact, when looking at the model in the report, it reminds me of, of what I wrote about in Banking on Digital Growth, the book uh, with the digital growth blueprint, where purpose sits at the core, purpose sits at the middle. But I like how this is framed around you have tech, you have people, you have processes, and then you have on sell, onboard, converse, and, and service. What drove some of the thinking to bring a model like this together, the golden engagement circle that I do see as a, as a path forward to enable banks, to empower banks and credit unions to drive purposeful growth? Yeah, I think it really comes from the learnings we've had in working with customers. And, you know, I mentioned before about some of our biggest success stories, and that's how it worked to really drive success. So, you know, you've got to have a holistic strategy and then you've got to have the holistic feedback mechanism that you're talking about, you know, to, to make sure that the project and the program is successful so the business can meet their goals. You know, the other thing that I think is, is really important is to find time to really, really get to know the people within the process because, you know, even some of the uh, project people right down the deep levels can give you the best ideas for enhancements. You know, it's such a, it's also such an and business right now with, with partnerships with fintechs, with partnerships with other, other companies that you can't have any sort of closed feedback loop system at all. Um, we did a, an interesting uh, survey a bit ago around APIs on the corporate banking side, for example, and, and here was the stat. So, 84% of the respondents had said APIs are either essential or very important to, to put that whole feedback loop together and to move data faster. But yet in that same survey, only 10% believe they had achieved significant success. So that shows how far we have to go as an industry. But the, the important thing is we're starting um, on our end from our systems. We have a, a great open system. We've got you know over a thousand APIs now today that are out there for use for, for all the partnerships that we have. You know, we've talked a lot about opportunities available to either create or capture. I, I want to move into some possible roadblocks that the dear listener needs to be aware of that could slow them down, that could hold them back from making progress. And one of the points that you noted here was in, in the report, 76% of banks identified workforce skills improvement as extremely important to their business in the next three to five years. From our research, we're finding obviously there's there's a knowledge gap, um, but we're doing even deeper work around this to where there's a training gap, there's an education gap that is leading to this knowledge gap. What's the opportunity to overcome this this knowledge gap roadblock that I think it, it really boils back down to just creating awareness into opportunities, but, but where's the danger here if we don't bridge this gap and we really spend time to double down on what I would just say is just training, education, helping the unaware become aware of opportunities because one of the greatest fears that hold, holds leaders back is simply fear of the unknown. Yeah, this, this is a big one, James Robert. I think that the talent shortage we have in our industry is one of the biggest challenges that we face. And, you know, you, you hear about that. In fact, it was, it was just on the news today talking about our just our overall talent gap in technology in the country, right? Forget about financial services and all 
technology. And so at the end of the day, try and find ways to upskill, reskill, um, bring in new talent, even from other industries, right? We've had some success yes. bringing a lot of folks in from retail. Now, they didn't know a whole heck of a lot about building products and financial services, but they sure did have the, you know, the customer experience side of this. And so it worked quite well having a diverse group of people on a team like that. And so we'll continue to do that. Um, I think the other thing is you, you mentioned uh, the worry in the, in the, the pitfalls, if you will, you know, finding partners uh, like Emphasis or other companies that can sort of add to the skills that you have on your team, not take away from the skills. When you start to get involved in these digital transformations or bigger programs, it can be a pretty big burden on, on the resources that you have in a business. And so we always look for ways to try to make that easy. So find partners that are willing to fill in your gaps uh, um, again, whether it even could be a consultancy or just a technology partner, but find ways to do that. But longer term, we all need more talent. We all need to upskill the talent we have. We've got to have a very diverse workforce of people that can come in with a lot of different experiences. And you know what? It can work. That's that's the biggest thing I would say. When when I work with some of our designers that work on our apps, some of them are absolutely you know, retail kind of experts. I say, you all use your bank apps every day, right? There's things you hate about them. Well, help us to make it better and help us to make yes. this an experience that is completely different than what we have today. And it's better for the, the customer. You know, I, I am a big advocate for looking outside to, to bring talent into the industry because they bring a different perspective. And the, the idea of retail, and we'll even take this a step further, digital retail, I think it's a tremendous opportunity to to bridge some of this 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 talent this knowledge gap but then an ongoing training ongoing education i think is critical as well um and then i liked your perspective too about the the partnership the collaboration um Dan Sullivan, who's been a guest on the podcast, wrote a fantastic book with Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who's an organizational psychologist, called Who, Not How. And the thesis of the book is a lot of times when it comes to achieving future growth, we get so stuck in asking ourselves, how are we going to do this or how are we going to do that? When the opportunity is to train the mind to not think the how but really begin to, to, the first thought should be, okay, this is what we want to achieve. Who do I need to be my how? And so there's a bit of a mindset shift going on here. And I want to, I want to stay on the idea of mindset for just a minute, because, you know, all of this idea of digital transformation and change, we've experienced a lot over the last couple of years. I'm predicting that we're going to to continue to experience massive change and massive transformation at, at multiple levels that will impact us within financial services. For the leader, what's your take on this? Just your maybe it's just your own personal anecdote. How how are you and how can others deal with exponential change? from a positive standpoint, because we can either lean into that or we can retreat into the cave of complacency, which isn't the best place to be because we saw brands do that and either they didn't fare so well or they're no longer here. But how do we, how do you deal with just exponential changes going on in the marketplace from all of these different areas that we're experiencing? Yeah. You know, it's, 
it's as a leader, it's one of the most important things that that you need to be thinking about day in, day out. And this industry has had so much change thrown at it. And we're probably about to see even more, right, with yep. some of the, the economic issues we're having as a country. So there'll be a different type of stress coming at us soon. You know, it, it starts with, first of all, having the right talent on the team. We, we just talked about that. I cannot emphasize that enough. Looking at your teams, thinking about the makeup of your team, thinking about the making sure that you have not only the right skill sets, but the right leaders that are working for you on your team. And then it's about coming together with that cohesive strategy on where you want to go as a team, bringing mm -hmm. everybody along with you. And then from that point, it's about giving them the resources or the, the investments or the the other things they need to get it done and being part of that positive change. And, and just as, as things come at us, handling them one by one, right. And, and, and working through whatever challenge we have as quick as you can, so you can get to the next thing and keep moving through the innovation. But, you know, a lot of it is communication. I know that's just a very basic thing, but you know, one of the routines yes. I have as, as a leader is, I am just absolutely uh, methodical about having my structured meetings on a regular basis and having good one-on-ones with your leaders um, to make sure you've vetted out all the challenges and listening, right? Spending time to actually listen on what's going on and then helping, helping them to, to be successful. There's a term I use, probably others have heard it, but I really like it and I talk a lot about it and that is setting people up for success. Right. Yes. Have you put them in the role, right role to be successful? Have you given these leaders the right tools, the right training, the right, you know, resources to really be successful? And when you've done that, you'll find that most people will figure it out and will be very successful. And then the change isn't such a big deal. I think it just they kind of roll with the punches. They're excited about what they're doing. They're excited about the organization. And uh, from there come good things and good team dynamics, and, and you win. Yep. No, I do appreciate your perspective on what Gino Wickman writes about, right people, right seat. And when you get the right people in the right seat, you're all going in the same direction together, which really comes back to what you started this conversation with around vision. Um, and, and I think that's so important is having a vision or having a purpose that is far bigger than the present moment is something that gives people hope. It gives people excitement. It, it builds optimism. Even if things might be tough in the present moment, we're always working towards creating a bigger, better, brighter future for ourselves by creating a bigger, better, brighter future for our account holders. And, and speaking of this idea of hope and optimism, as, as we start to wrap up here, looking ahead, just we'll call it the next three to five years, what are you feeling most hopeful and excited about when, when you look out at the landscape of just financial services, banking as a whole? Yeah, it's, you know, again, think about that a lot. I think more investment in digital transformation. I think core modernization we've talked about for many, many years, but there's actually a lot of progress happening there, um, whether it's standalone digital platforms for new entrants or subsidiaries or large entities or just the good old-fashioned core modernization. Um, Low-code, no-code, low-code platforms are going to yep. gain in popularity. We are doing some really exciting work on digital onboarding where we've built on a low-code tool, and I could talk for a whole hour about what I've seen on that. And the, 
the reason why these low code tools are, are in my mind, going to be one of the next game changers for our industry is that you've got ability to configure new customer journeys in a few hours versus yes. weeks or months. When a client creates that vision and they decide as part of that vision, they've got new checking or loan accounts or investment accounts or whatever, for example, you know, we can literally get that implemented and that journey in place without a lot of technical talent once the platform is built. So I think low code, no code is going to be big for us. There's going to be a lot more use cases for AI. I'm, I'm sure you've you've talked a lot about that. Um, I, on that subject, I would just urge the banks to focus on AI use cases that make that customer experience better. I mean, look, I'm all for cost reduction. I think that's important too. But when you focus at least a percentage of your time on that, I think your AI use cases will really work well with your strategy. Um, PFM tools, I think they're going to continue to be more important, particular as, as consumers are stretched with, with the inflationary things we have going on. And lastly, you know, unfortunately, we'll probably see delinquency and credit losses rise. And when that happens, we need more technology. We need better models. We need more AI tools to, to try to automate that process versus just throwing tons of body at, at, at the situation. So those are some of the things that I think are, are coming our way. There's a lot more happening, but it, it sure is an exciting industry to be in. I'll, I'll say that. It, it really is. And to your point of low code, no code, it's something that I'm writing about now in my second book, Banking on Change. There are what I call the four exponential growth environments to where you, you have to cycle through all of these like the seasons. You can be learning, you can be thinking, you can be doing, you can be reviewing. And the most dangerous place to get stuck is in the doing of digital. And a lot of the, the, my, 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 my thinking around that is, is if you're stuck doing, you're not creating space and time to review what you've done, to learn through those experiences, and then really to think about how to make them even better. And that's where things like automation, AI, low-code, no-code, it really puts more of an emphasis on the thinking because the technology does the heavy lifting of what has historically been the doing. And that's where in Banking on Digital Growth, I wrote about the idea of, of financial brands really in, becoming experience engineers. Um, we're thinking through experiences and then we're using technology as a tool, a transformative tool to realize those experiences through AI, through automation. And you're right. This is a, a fantastic industry to be in because it is one that can truly transform lives um, in, in, in the communities that, that we're all serving, whether we're bank, credit union, fintech. And that's what makes me most hopeful and excited is, is you know, money is such an emotional subject. Um, and it is one, particularly over the past couple of years, and we'll probably see this, you know, over the next few years get even louder, uh, but financial stress, it just takes a toll on people's health and their relationships and, and their well-being. I want to get real practical here at the end, John. Um, the dear listener, they're, they're listening. We've talked about a lot, but they might be thinking, this is great. What can I do next? What should I do next? Because there is just, there is a lot to do here uh, for many. But if we could maybe just take it down to just that next best step, because all, all transformation that leads to future growth begins with a small, simple step forward. 
what would that next best step be? Given we're sitting here in July, it's, it's usually the time most companies are thinking about their three-year strategy. Yep. So dusting that off, sitting down, making sure that that's going to take your, your bank or your financial institution to the next level. What are the things um, that you need to do to make that vision, to make that strategy come to life? Are your projects aligned? Are your investments aligned? Are you spending too much money on just keeping the lights on? You know, we, we see that a lot. We had a survey a while ago. It said 84% of the, the budgets were going to keep the lights on. Is that the right formula you want? Or should you be thinking about making some good investments for next year can help to drive your strategy and most importantly, win more business by, by improving your experience for your customers. Again, whether you're in the retail or the corporate side, you know, the game is similar in that you've got to find a way to differentiate in this market. Like we talked about earlier, you've got to find a way to provide additional value to the customers. And when you do that, you'll have a very successful year and, many years to come. So it's a great time to think about those things as you're lining up your three-year plan. It's a great time to think about budgets for next year. And, you know, it's it's time to make sure the team is aligned on where you're going. Yeah, you know, I love July is my favorite time of year because it, it really is, you know, we're almost at the pinnacle of the mountain. We're at the apex. Mm-hmm. And we're able to look, we're able to look back over the past six months, we're able to look down at, at where we're at today and then we're able to look ahead towards the future, whether it's the next six months, 12 months, 24, 36 months, and then make adjustments accordingly so that we can continue forward on our journey of growth. And speaking about continuing forward on, on, on the journey of growth, if if someone wants to connect with you to continue the conversation that we've started here today, John, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hello? Yeah, um, First thing is I just say, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm there. Uh, John Dangoy, I'd love to hear from you. You can also reach out to us on Finical.com, or you can just reach out to us right on our Finical page in LinkedIn. So, uh, look forward to talking to anybody that, that's excited about it. Good stuff, John. Connect with John. Learn from John. Grow with John. John, this has been a great conversation. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you so much for having me. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.